Welcome, everybody. It's uh, good to have you here again today on this digital gathering. And uh, before we jump into today's sermon, we do have a little bit of family business I just need to share with you. And um, that is that earlier this week on Monday afternoon, uh, Ginger Wallace Sutton passed away from the coronavirus. And uh, Ginger was the mom of a John Wallace and Craig Wallace and also Renee Bixby, uh, really important folks in our church. Uh, Ginger and her first husband, Tom, were uh, pillars in the Horizons Community Church family. And they were parents and grandparents to so many people and meant so much to so many different folks. And um, so it's really, the whole virus thing has hit just a little bit closer to home for me and for a lot of us. And uh, so I just want to take a moment here before we uh, go into today's sermon, just to pray for the Wallace and Bixby families, for um, all the grandkids and great grandkids that um, Ginger had. So um, let me pray for us. So Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for uh, Ginger Wallace and for Tom Wallace and what they've meant to, the, to our church from the very beginning. And so we want to pray for the Wallace families and Bixby families, Lord, that you would bring uh, your comfort and your peace uh, during this time of mourning, that they, Lord, would um, know that Ginger had a deep faith in you and a deep trust, and that she, Lord, is, um, is with you in eternity now. So may we find a great comfort in who you are and who we are uh, in you. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, uh, so these are, these are kind of crazy times. Um, our routines have been uh, destroyed. Uh, uh, kids have come home and are at, at home uh, learning. Many of you are now trying to do full-time work at home and be a full-time teacher. Um, some of us who were empty nesters, all of a sudden our kids all came back and the nest was full again, which was wonderful. So good to have kids, our kids back. But you also just realize um, how much space they take up in your home and things like that. Um, many of us have lost jobs. Uh, hours have been cut. We're uh, concerned about how we're going to pay our bills. And there just seems to be this... Uh, this lower sense of anxiety that many of us are feeling about this virus and kind of wondering, gosh, what happens if I get it? Could I catch it from this? How long will this go on? And there's just so many unknowns. And um, we're really, as a staff and as a church, really trying to be uh, discerning and intentional about, um, gosh, what, what should we be talking about on these Sunday mornings? And um, right now, today, we're going to start a new sermon series, and it's called um, For Such a Time as This, and, and that comes from those well-known uh, words from the book of Esther, and um, because here's what we believe. We believe that uh, God's not surprised by what's going on, that he has good purpose for us and for our church as we go through this time, and we want to make sure that we um, are, learn from that. And that our church has never been more like the church that you see in the beginning of Acts than it is right now. They didn't have a building, we're not meeting in a building. They're kind of just starting out, we're kind of like going, what, what is next for us? And so we're gonna um, 
study from the book of Acts, some of the um, important principles and things that happened there and see how they tie in with where we are today. So the story in Acts kind of go back a little bit. Again, it goes right back to the resurrection that we've been uh, looking at in Easter. Uh, last week, we looked at when uh, Jesus um, brings Peter back into the fold in some ways. And, and, and then it, after that, you get to what's called the, um, the Great Commission. And, and Jesus gathers his 11 disciples on the mountain in Galilee. And, and this is what it says. It says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I just love that phrase and the honesty of it. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And then Jesus, what's called, then he ascends, and he, and he goes up to be back with his Father, sitting at the right hand of the Father, but the purpose of the church has been set by Jesus's words. That for those 11 disciples, when they heard him say that, and for us today, the purpose of the church is to go and make disciples of all nations. To go and to let as many people know about the life that Christ has to offer them, and then to learn what does it mean to really live that life? What does it really mean to follow after Jesus well, to be a disciple? And so that is still at the heart of what we're supposed to do. And it's the heart of what those 11 disciples were supposed to do. But I have to imagine, honestly, that after Jesus left, they might've looked at each other and said, well, what now? What are we supposed to do? I mean, they'd been with Jesus for three years. They'd followed him. They'd watched him do incredible miracles and heal people. They'd listened to his teaching. He had brought them together as a group, but now they'd seen him crucified and rise from the dead, but now he's gone. And now this incredibly huge vision of going and making disciples of all the nations. And so I think they did. They kind of had to think about what, what are we supposed to do? And, and then we pick up in the book of Acts, right at the beginning of there, chapter one, it kind of is a continuation now of what Jesus started in his ministry, and now the disciples are supposed to follow along and carry it on. And so in verse four of chapter one of Acts, it says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had taught about this. It's uh, kind of in the upper room discords of, of the end of uh, John, from John 15 to 17, he taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. And I have to imagine that the days that he was with them after his resurrection, he also talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. But his command to them is to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. So then it continues in verse um, six. It says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Are you going to become king and are we gonna be the ones that rule with you? 
And he said to them, it's not for this, for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. So again, Jesus says the first thing they're supposed to do is to wait for the Holy Spirit and then they will be witnesses of his. And, and this verse, uh, Acts 1.8, is kind of the, it, it's the way the rest of the book is laid out. And you watch the apostles begin there in Jerusalem and then move to Judea and move to Samaria and then ultimately end up to in Rome, which is the end of the world in that day. And this book, the Acts, is often, really the longer name of it is the Acts of the Apostles. But a lot of people believe that it really should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. For it really is the work of the Holy Spirit that we see happening here in the book of Acts. And that's why Jesus told his disciples uh, to wait. Don't go running out there with your own giftedness and your own enthusiasm, but wait for the power that the Holy Spirit will bring. Ministry is not about how much power you have, but ministry is really about what the Holy Spirit can do through you. And so um, if we were to look at the teaching that Jesus had on the Holy Spirit back in the Gospel of John, or if we read through all of the uh, book of Acts, we'd see the Holy Spirit doing a lot of different things. And I'm just gonna throw up a list here of everything, it's not everything, uh, of a lot of what the Holy Spirit does or what he's called. So he is a teacher of truth, and he also brings conviction. And we see that happening in the book of Acts. He's what's called an advocate, which is one who stands with another one. And it's definitely what the Holy Spirit does. He is a counselor. When, when you don't know uh, what to do, the Holy Spirit counsels you. He's also a comforter and can bring peace into our situations and into relationships. He is the one who produces spiritual fruit in our lives. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. And we need the Spirit to continue to change us and shape us and mold us. He is a guide, and he tells people where to go and what to do next and all of that. He gives courage, boldness, and encouragement to his people. And we, we see that often through the book of Acts. And then he is a healer and a miracle worker. And so all of these qualities are known of the Holy Spirit. And so you can see why Jesus would tell his disciples, hey, you've, you've got to wait. Don't, don't go off on your own. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to come upon this group and see what the Holy Spirit wants to do through you. He will be able to do so much more through you than you could do on your own. So wait for the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want to look at the most of today, the rest of our time, is what does it mean to wait for the Holy Spirit? I mean, I think when um, most of us think about waiting, and, and here's the other truth, the reason I think it fits so well for this time is that we definitely are in a season of waiting. And, and what does it mean for us to wait well? What would that look like for us to wait well? Um, Andrew Murray, who's a, a church leader from South Africa in the late 1800s, early 1900s, says this. He says, 
Um, as you wait before God in holy silence, he sees it as a confession that you have nothing, no wisdom to pray aright, no strength to work aright. Waiting is the expression of need, of emptiness. And so when we come before the Lord and wait for him, and when we wait for the Holy Spirit, it is really us coming before him sort of kind of empty-handed and just saying, Lord, speak to us. Show us what you want to do. But, but waiting as it demands great humility, also, and this is the interesting thing about waiting, it also involves active engagement on our part. I, I think oftentimes when we think about waiting, we think that it's um, like we're just going to sit back in a lazy boy chair and God's just going to speak. And that is so different from what we see in the scriptures about what it means to really wait for the Lord. So I'm going to take us through uh, short parts of three different psalms that talk about here's what it means to wait um, on the Lord. And so the first one is Psalm 27. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to... Um, to find it and open it up to Psalm 27. We don't have time to read the whole um, Psalm today. It would just would take a little bit long, too long. But I need you to promise me, all right? I need you to promise me that sometime today, you will read Psalm 27. It's so, it's such a great Psalm and so perfect for where we're at today. So, so put your right hand up and just promise me right now that you will read Psalm 27 sometime today. Okay, Danny Wood, come on, put your hand up. Z, Z Derome, I need to see your hand. Kathy Sanders, come on, put your hand up and just promise me that you will read Psalm 27 today. All right? It's such an incredible psalm. And here's how it starts out. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? I mean, man, that speaks to us today, right? Just because there's so much we can be fearful of. And then the psalmist continues and he talks about how there are enemies and there are foes that are attacking him during this time. And, and that it really does bring some of this fear and anxiety to the forefront in his life. But then he says he does four things. He says he, um, he wants to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, just to look at the Lord and gaze upon the beauty. He wants to, he will sing songs to the Lord. He will seek God's face and he will pray. He, will, he says that you will hear my cry when I pray. And so there's active things that the psalmist does in the course of, and we'll see, in waiting right? To gaze upon the beauty, to uh, sing songs, to seek the Lord's face, and then to be a person of prayer. That waiting is not just sitting back, but there's an active part to it. And then the psalm ends this way, verse 13, it says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Really powerful, powerful words at the end there about waiting for the Lord. The, the waiting here in the wording that's used here, it's to look forward with confidence 
that there is good and beneficial things coming. Um, one of the word, one of the other ways this word is described in, in the dictionaries, the biblical dictionaries, is that it is um, to wait in ambush. Um, I love that word picture. So uh, at the Dirks household, we have uh, two pets. We have Hallie, who's a cat, who's I think Hallie's twelve or thirteen years old, and. I had no idea that cats could live as long as they live, but Hallie's that old. And then Abby, our dog, is eight or nine years old. And, and quite honestly, most of my exercise these days is getting up and opening up the sliding glass door for Abby to go in and out all the time. It is what I'm doing. But this week, I was noticing something that happened. Both of them wanted to go out at the same time. And so I opened up the slider, and Abby, the dog, just kind of goes out like Abby does, just walks, kind of goes out there and is kind of looking around, sniffing and whatever, whatever. Hallie, though, went out, the only way to, she was looking to ambush and she saw something in the bushes, a bird or a lizard or something, but she is creeping low and her eyes are straight ahead at what she's looking at. Abby was kind of all over the place, but Hallie, was just looking straight ahead and slowly taking steps forward towards what she saw as her prey. And I love that picture of what it means to wait in ambush. And that that's how we should be looking and waiting for what God wants to do in our lives and looking for the Holy Spirit. That waiting involves activity and it involves focus. I think that's what Psalm 27 teaches us. And again, please read it later on today, the whole psalm, it's so powerful. The second psalm we'll look at is Psalm 37, just verse seven. It says, uh, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. And um, the first lines are the ones, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And, and uh, it's really interesting. I, I, I'm not a uh, biblical language scholar, but I was listening to another pastor talk about this. And then I, I looked, it was really interesting what he had to say. So I looked it up on my um, Bible software that does all this language stuff. And it's, I'm not sure how this all works out, to be honest. But this word, wait patiently in the Hebrew can also um, be translated to whirl and dance. Now, that's a really interesting way to think about this. And, and I am not much of a whirling and dancing guy, to be honest. I mean, if you get me snapping my fingers, that's kind of my dancing. I might do a little shoulder shake here and there. But really great dancers, like, you know, dancing on the stars, pro-type dancers, I mean, they whirl and they twirl and they dance. And I was thinking about what, how could that connect with being, but waiting and patiently. And, and again, the, what happens here is it, it really involves refining your focus. And when you're dancing, your focus has to be on your partner. You can't be concerned about the crowd that might be around. You can't be concerned about anything else that might grab your attention. But this waiting patiently involves refining your focus as a dancer 
would be so looking intently to their partner. And that as they turn and as they twirl and whirl, their focus is right on their partner. And that's what this means to wait patiently. And here's the other interesting thing about this word again, that the other way this could be translated, this, this wait patiently, is to give birth. Now, I've never given birth. I've been in the delivery room when Nancy uh, gave birth to our kids. Uh, friends of ours, uh, their daughter just gave birth after uh, 34 hours of labor. And so you can understand how waiting patiently would have something to do with giving birth. The whole process is a nine-month process. And then the process of actually giving birth can take a while. And again, you must remain focused on what of the good that is coming from this in the midst of, of the pain that you feel. And so again, this idea of waiting patiently for him is that we are to persevere in our waiting and we are to refine our focus and make sure our focus is right on what God wants us to see. Really interesting words about waiting patiently. And then the final Psalm we'll look at is Psalm 130. And again, I'd encourage you to, to read this whole Psalm, but we'll look at verses five and six. And here's what the Psalmist says. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word, I put my hope. I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits. And, and this, that, that waiting involves our whole self. It is a... Um, slowing down, I'd say, of our mind and of our heart and our soul and even our bodies, right? And that's why this is such an interesting time for us to be um, waiting for the Lord and to be waiting for what the Holy Spirit wants to do and that you're a, a slowing down and a waiting of your whole self. Your whole attention is put towards God. And then the psalmist says, in his word, I put my hope. And again, it's crucial for us to keep our focus on God's word at this time. I don't know how you feel, and I, and I probably check news and stuff on the internet way too much, but it's, I feel like there's just an overload of information. And this expert says this, and this analyst says this, and this is what these people say, and this is what's gonna happen, and this is what might happen, and there's just so much. And I think that this is such a beautiful statement for us that we put our hope in his word. That it's the word of God that we hold on to as we're seeking what God wants to do. And then quite twice there at the end, it says, um, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. And any time in scripture, something is repeated. That means uh, it's like putting an exclamation point at the end of it, or just saying, hey, make sure you, you get this, okay? And so that, that we wait for the Lord more than the watchman waits for the morning. And, and the watchman, 
The night watchman in those days would be someone in a city who would be standing up there as they, they close the city gates at night for protection. And, and he would be up watching and he'd be watching for any enemies that might be trying to make their way towards the city. He would be the one that would warn the rest of the city that, um, that enemies are on their way. He's also the one that would maybe look for um, messengers from other cities that might be coming with important um, messages for them. And so he would be the one that would encourage, that would tell them to open the gates and let people in. So he has to be watching, he has to be really discerning, he has to kind of know what he's looking for, and he has to be attentive. You can't fall asleep as the night watchman, and you have to be attentive. And, he, and this watchman is waiting for the morning, watching for the sun to rise. He's waiting with hopeful expectation. Isn't that great? He's waiting for hopeful expectation of what God brings. So these three Psalms, and there's lots of other scriptures that talk about what it means to wait for the Lord, but so, so what does it mean for us to wait for the Holy Spirit? It's not an inactive waiting, but it's an active waiting. It's an attentive waiting. It's an eager waiting. Waiting is a refining of our focus so that we don't allow the distractions to pull us away, but to keep our focus on what God might be speaking to us. We're, we're waiting in ambush. We're waiting in prayer. We're waiting in worship, and we're waiting in the word. And that's what it means to wait for the Holy Spirit. To say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. So how do we take these truths from scripture, these beautiful Psalms, and how do we apply it now to our situation in our lives today, right? Jesus told his disciples to wait for the Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus is speaking to his church again today, to you and I, and is saying, wait for the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Holy Spirit would have to say. You know, we are more like the early church than we've ever been before. So let's lean in to what they did. A lot of us have more uh, free time than we've ever had before. And again, let's take that time and use it as a way of really seeking after God and gazing for God and listening for what he might say to us. Let's be people who actively wait that we seek the Lord through prayer and worship and in his word and, and we're, we're being really attentive maybe to what God would be speaking to us individually, but also to our church as a whole. That we again would have our focus really sharpened in terms of Lord, I really want you to speak to me. Holy Spirit, I really want you to come into my life and into the life of our church and give us direction and guide us and empower us to do what you want us to do. And Lord, keep distractions and sin away. Help me to wait well. So I really believe that life and life in our church will be and needs to be different after the coronavirus has passed. That we're learning some really important things here that the Lord wants us 
uh, to know. And, and I pray that we would be people who would wait for the Holy Spirit with hopeful expectation that the Lord wants to do some really good things in your life. The Lord wants to really do some good things in, in the life of our church. And so I really am asking you to do this. Will you please commit to actively seeking after the Holy Spirit in these days? That you would, you would seek after the Spirit for your own life and your own growth, but you'd also be asking the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want for Baseline? How do you want Baseline to be different? How do you, how do you want Baseline to make a greater impact in our community? And, and Lord, we're waiting for you to speak because we don't want to miss what God wants to teach us through this time. Let me pray for us. So Lord, that is our prayer. Help us not to miss what you have for us. Help us to um, engage with you and seek after you with our whole selves. Help us to actively seek what the Holy Spirit wants to say and do in us and also uh, do in our church. And Lord, we have um, hopeful expectation that you will do good. You will bring about your good purpose for us and for our church. And we're reminded, Lord, that our church, Baseline Church, is your church, that it belongs to Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that you would empower us by your spirit to do your good work in our community. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining us. Uh, there's a, a song that uh, Kyle's gonna lead us in as a way of responding, and um, I hope that you, uh, I hope it speaks to you as you sing it.